Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. I wasn't able to say it earlier, but uh, it is so good to have you. My name is Greg McKinney. Uh, my wife and I are actually the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and I don't know what brought you into um, our direction. Those who maybe it was two years ago, you said there's a new church launching and I want to be a part of it, or it was this week was your first. I'm just, I'm thankful that you're here. Please know that it's not by a, like a, a choice, like it's, it's not by your own choice that you're here often. God knows what he's doing. Right, he, he has uniquely brought you this morning, whether it was to see and be in, inspired by these babies. Some of you, you've been parenting for, for far too long alone. And maybe this was the one little piece where the Lord was like, I've been trying to tell you you're not alone, but you haven't believed it. So I don't know what God is doing or what he was going to do, but I'm excited to be with you this morning. I am doing something out of my comfort zone. Uh, I've gotten a little, I'm, we're going a little teachy this morning. Uh, Sadly, the pillars in the room are going to hurt some of you from being able to see this, but I will try. I will try to let you see. I'm going to draw on a whiteboard. Like, I don't, I don't do that, but I'm going to do it. So I'm really excited. Uh, hopefully, y'all good? Hopefully. Some of you are like, I don't even see a whiteboard. There, he's lying. There's nothing there. What I'm really excited about um, is in less than a year, we will all move into a building, if you stick with us, that has no pillars. <laughs> so that when people come in, when people come in, they like can see everything instead of like, is there a talking like head in the room? I can't see. So if you are behind a pillar, that's just the cross that you bear today. Um, it's the thorn in your flesh. Um, get a better seat. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It, it, you know, we, we, we work with it. But this morning, I'm really excited because we're actually starting a new series. If you've been with us at all, um, you know that we actually ended one on our birthday last week. Um, it was diving through the core values of Glory Church. What makes glory a home for many? And, and I, I spent a lot of time in that. But if you were not with us, uh, you can sit in and lean in with us this morning. We're going to dive deep and just preface it. Like, the reason the whiteboard's out here is because there's a complex passage in, in 2 Peter that, like, I read it and I was like, all right, I need to read it again. And then I read it again and I was like, okay, I need to read it again. And so we're diving into it, but the theme of literally this whole series from now until Easter is uh, going to be very familiar for those who were here last week. Uh, we decided to just call it moving forward, um, moving forward, which it will pique the interest of those who are with us last week because that's literally our last value as a church is I never want to be a church that is stuck in our own ways. I never want to be a church that says, I know who God is and I'm good. I don't never want to be a church that says, I've, I'm already saved and so that's enough because the, the honest fact is no, because I'm a saved man that really struggles to be a good husband sometimes to my wife. Anyone else? Like, I'm a saved man that still is very impatient with my children, especially when they're just annoying, right? Like, I, so I need growth. I need to move forward. And so we talked last week, and, and I honestly could not, um, as a staff, we were like, we, we really need to talk through, like, spiritual growth. Whatever phase we're in, wherever place we're at, um, there is a step forward. And so we're diving in from now until Easter, this idea of like, 
well, let's actually learn the, the, the Lord's words. Let's learn his heart because I can, I can promise you there are things that you don't believe that he's like, I need you to believe this. There are things, aspects of his kingdom, aspects of his personality, aspects of his nature that we are, are blind of right now, blind toward. And he's asking, like, will you move forward in this so that you can discover freedom, so that you can notice that you have potential, that you have giftings, that you're not alone, and actually, like, be effective in the kingdom. I, I want to be effective in the kingdom. I want to do something that matters, and often it's like a perception problem that's halting me. So I'm excited to move forward. But last Sunday, I told you there's a big difference. Anyone who remembers uh, with us, there's a big difference between the idea of moving forward and the idea of moving on. Those are very different. Yeah, I heard you, Miss Betty. Moving on and moving forward are very different. You see, often when a hardship comes, we have an opportunity to listen to the Lord or we have an opportunity to move on from it and just be like, I just, I don't, I don't want to sit in there. And what happens is we end up moving on from what the presence of God is even doing. Do you realize, like, in the unseen, he's at work? Uh, I was told all the time, like, don't, don't forsake these younger years with your children. You want to move on from them? The unseen work of the Lord is out. His hand is here. So notice it. And I just, like, in every phase, in every season, we can either move on, which emotionally we don't want to deal with things, or we can move forward. And that's very different. The other is this hard and holy work of saying, okay, God, Why? Why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Okay, God, like I'm going to submit. How? What? Who are you? Who have you called me? And that's a hard and holy work because um, that means you're going to have to start dealing with things. That means you're going to have to start moving um, beyond things and doing it with people. Uh, and that's just not fun. I wrote a few things down that moving forward, and you'll hear this every time. There's this cycle of discipleship that... Uh, is embedded in all that we do here at Glory Church, where I will never say as a man that I know everything there is about God. So as I discover more about God, I actually leave behind aspects of bondage, and I find freedom. And as I discover more freedom, like as he does that, like I start realizing that I have potential and purpose, and then I actually start doing something with it, and I make a difference in my marriage, and my home. But it's when we say, like, we're good. It's when we coast that we start feeling ineffective, that we, we don't even call bondage bondage anymore, where we get okay with our sin patterns because they're not like bad, right? And so we cannot allow that to happen. You see, moving on though, it's like, uh, I don't need to know what God's doing in this moment. That's a mindset of moving on. Moving on is like, uh, I'm free enough. Like I like my life how it is. So I'm, I'm just moving on. Moving on often says, like, I'll just, like, it'll be better next time. Instead of actually saying, no, God, like, how do I learn this time? <laughs> how many times do we often say that? Like, it'll just be better next time. You have a bad day at work uh, or you get fired again and there's this, like, you see, everyone sees it, that there's a, there's a pattern in your life. But it'll get better next time, right? No, not until we move forward. We say this a lot. Moving on also says, like, you know, the grass is greener over there. And so we want to go see it, but then it never is greener. We got to learn how to move forward. And so I'm excited because uh, spiritual growth is necessary if we are going to not only work out like our salvation, but also see our family saved, see our city changed. 
uh, the huge value of Glory Church, like our mission is that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. You can try to change a city all you want, but until like homes are, are being transformed from death to life, until things are movement, until like an abuse victim discovers that they don't have, uh, that they don't have dignity in their mind for that reason, but instead have value in the Lord, like in, as they start exchanging things for truth, Man, a city has changed. And so moving forward is real, and it's also hard. So uh, I'm about to open up to Second Peter. Maybe some of you already did, and I'm just starting it. Like, we're going to plant in this passage. I, I gave my notes to, the, sound, like, to the, the person on the screen, and it's like three pages, and they're like bullets. Like, I never do that because I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out here today. All right, uh, on this whiteboard, I'm really excited. Uh, those of you who take notes, we're going to be drawing circles in a minute. So uh, if you don't know how to do that, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, my circles won't be good, so yours are probably going to be better than mine. Um, but you will read very quickly that Peter is pretty blunt. And what he longs for is the church, the, the readers, to actually own their spiritual journey, like the own their spiritual growth. Because uh, very quickly, Christian people can be very ineffective with the gospel, right? Like, I've done it. Very quickly, we can be very set in our ways and then destroy an opportunity. And we don't make the most of it. And so he's like, I, I want you to see that there's a process of growth that is so doable, but you gotta, you gotta get in the trenches and do it. And so we're diving, it's just one chapter, 10 verses, all right? But I'm gonna read it and you're gonna say, what? Let's do it again. Like, can we read it again? So here it is, 2 Peter chapter one, we're starting at verse two and Peter writes, may grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, of God and the Lord Jesus. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through those things his precious and very great promises so that through them you may escape the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. Now, I want, we're, there's more. But I would love to, to like, I'd love to read this with you, right? Uh, because he keeps going, but he's like, for that very reason, all of these things, for that very reason, if you want to put it up, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and support goodness with knowledge, support knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with mutual affection, mutual affection with love. For if those things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective, Peter says, and unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he says, uh, for anyone who lacks those things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your calling and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. Now, I wanted to read that all. Sometimes I break it off, you know, and talk through it as we read. But I wanted to read that all for you to be like, what did we just read? Anyone else, like, who, who loves the Lord? Like, you, you're, you, you spend time in Scripture, but you just read it, and you're like, I need to read that again. 
Anyone? Like, I read it, and I read it again, and I read it again. Um, but I read it all so that you can have this, like, some of you checked out already. You know, like, so you can have already that your flesh is at war with this passage. Like, it already is. You, you're struggling to understand, and that's why the whiteboard is here. That is why we got the whiteboard. So, I, honestly, like, Peter is longing for us to, to move away from being ineffective. He is. He's like, I, I want you to actually take the fruit of the Lord, what you've been given, and actually believe it. And so if you can, go back to that first thing. I highlighted. I, I did a little help for you. When I first read this, the word through is huge. If you didn't notice, it happens three times. That, is, that Greek word literally means within, that, that all of these things are within something else. Like, it's really cool. So I was like, that's a lot of throughs. That's a lot of throughs. And I want to picture this uh, image for you. When I see the word through, I think of a tunnel, okay? A tunnel. You're walking through a tunnel. Can we all be... And the idea, like, oh, I love going to, back to Arkansas. That's where my wife and I are from. Our kids love the tunnel that's, like, uh, just south of Fayetteville. Like, it's this tunnel. The kids are like, it's the light tunnel. Because when you're in the tunnel, you're engulfed by the tunnel. When you're in a tunnel, you're already moving in one direction. You cannot turn around in the tunnel because you're going. And you're in it. And so every time the word through comes, that means, like, within something else. There's another tunnel. And so, like, you're like, what? Well, let's, let's help this out. He literally says that you have been given everything through the knowledge of him. In other words, the knowledge, I cannot write. Woo. The knowledge of him, look at this. Wow, this is so shaky. We're just going to, it's okay. Through the knowledge of him, you've been given everything. Now, the beautiful thing about that, and you're like, you have bad handwriting. Bro, it's just, it's not my fault. Through the knowledge of him, you've been given everything. Through the knowledge of him who's called us, you've been given everything. Now, I just want to sit in, like, how frustrating that sounds, because I feel like I'm lacking. Anyone else still? Like, I feel like I'm, like, missing stuff. But literally, this tunnel of knowing God, everything needed for life and godliness is in it. Like, can I When you were saved, you were ushered into the tunnel where you have everything needed for life and godliness. It's beautiful. Through the knowledge of him who's called you to his glory and his goodness. But then it says... Through those things, though, through those things. And so it's like another, another little circle. I'm going to get my red. There we go. Oh, yeah. But through everything needed for, for godliness, like through his goodness. Do you see that? Through the knowledge of him who's called us to his own glory and goodness. And then he's given us through that glory and goodness promises promises. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some words down, okay? You're just going to have to bear with me as I write them, okay? Everything needed for goodness, right? He says his goodness and his
We have promises. And I don't know if you read it, but it's like great promises. And then it's through the promises. Did you notice that? Through the promises, you escape the corruption of the world. And you get to participate in his nature. And so like, there's another little tunnel. Now you're like, where are we going? Where are we going? I'm going to say nature. All right. I'm just going to tell you my like little diagram up here is way more wordy. So if you guys want like the cool notes later, just come up here and uh, capture them. But it's this beautiful image of we have been given everything through the knowledge of him. That, that simple Jesus saved my life. He brings us into the kingdom and gives us everything needed for life and godliness by which he's called us, his goodness. And as we like lean into his goodness and learn it through that goodness, we get his promises. And as we discover his promises more and more, we get to, not, we get to literally escape the corruption of lust for the world and we get to participate in his nature. Now, this is so beautiful, and, and I don't think we realize this as much, but the point of knowing God is to literally get to participate in life, his nature with him. Like the point of knowing God is that we get to participate in life with him. Now, some of you, like, the point of knowing God for you is to just help you out of a bad situation. That's okay, but that's rudimentary. For some people, the point of knowing God is to know why bad things happen. That's okay, but that's rudimentary. The point of knowing God sometimes is that my life might be better. Ah, that's okay, but that's rudimentary. The point of knowing God is not so that my life, I can do good things. That's not the point. The point is so that we can participate with him. Like our God's like, I don't just want you to do the things that I do. I want you to walk with me as we do it together. Like, that's beautiful. Like, this is the image of of maturity, is that as we get to know the Lord, we actually, like, as I love my wife, God is loving her. In fact, I can't even do it in a clear way unless I say, God, how are you already loving Kate so that I can be a part of it? Why? Because I want to participate in how you're doing it and what you're doing. Some of you, you you want to do all these things, but it's in your own nature and you're missing out on the partnership. It's beautiful. So literally, as we like disciple people, we can't just say like, God's going to make your life better. No, it's, it's God wants to walk with you in the better. Like he, he has all nature attached to it. And there's divine power in that. And so this is beautiful. Right? It is. But uh, <laughs> the interesting thing, and I want to like... The reason I made circles now. The interesting thing is, uh, though we may be in one part of the tunnel, many of the times we're not experiencing the other part of the tunnel, right? I mean, how many of you who know God have technically been given everything you needed for your life and godliness, but you still long for more? Anyone? How many of you... You've been given life and God and everything you need, yet you still crave more. 
Can I just tell you, that's like fundamentally at war with us. Anyone else feel guilty and you're wondering, I don't even know why I feel, I can't just feel like I'm missing the mark. And it's because you think you have to gain the mark, but you got it. Like everything needed for life and godliness. And many times we get stuck in this area. And we get absent, blinded of God's promises. We look to our goodness or lack thereof instead of his goodness. And so through that, we are missing out on everything. We are. And it's interesting, like, I, I wrote down and I just, that tunnel starts to feel very claustrophobic. It starts to feel very claustrophobic as you, you feel like, God, like, I must be missing something. Like, you must love other people more than you love me. Like, what is going on? Like, I'm trying and nothing's happening. Like, God, I, you say that you have, you've done this, but where? And it's in this area as we start looking to everything but his goodness and glory that we get stuck. We get frustrated. And honestly, what Peter says is we get very uninfective, unfruitful in the knowledge of God. Why? Because... If we don't partner with the Lord, nothing good's happening, right? If we don't partner with the Lord, nothing good is happening. And I wrote down, and the reason is because we haven't submitted to either his glory and goodness or the truths of his promises. And so we've literally halted our growth. Can I just tell you for years I've been there? I didn't, no, didn't submit to the God, God's goodness because I didn't trust that it was enough for me. I wanted more. I didn't submit to God's glory because I just really struggled to believe it. I, I, God says, like, you're new and redeemed. And I'm like, but I still want, like, the desires of my flesh. And, like, how do I reconcile that, Lord? Anyone else? Like, I'm just stuck in this. Those of, those of you who have passive addictions, you know it. Okay, God, like, you've said I'm freed. But why do I still long for it? And it's when we get stuck in this, I have everything needed but I still want more, that we overlook his goodness, we overlook his promises, and we start lusting for more. Literally, Peter says the reason we want to participate with God, like the, the reason we participate with him is because it, it literally sets us apart from the world. Where the world lusts, where the world longs, where the world craves, where the world tries to satisfy, we get satisfied in him. But here, stuck in this place, we crave more. And it's the easiest things. But like we start as the psalmist saying, we start like coveting the ways of the wicked because their extra work hours seem to be giving them a lot more money. And you know, if you were at work longer, you would get more money. But can we just be honest that the nature of the Lord won't be present with you at home? Because you're gonna come home and be frustrated. You're going to come home and be tired. And so there's things that the world says, everything you need can be done as you strive for it. But the ways of the world are not the ways of the Lord. He says, as you sit in my goodness, my nature is learned. As you hold fast to my promises that I will provide for you, that I will make a way for you, that, that I am your provision. You start owning that I have love like never before. And it's, you're not tapping into something that is, is uh, it's there and then not there. You're tapping into something that's eternal. And often, like, we do this in every little way and big. The world seems to get things quicker, Right? 
They like try and then they get that, they get that promotion. Maybe God, if I just like did that, maybe if I just like drank like that, where I didn't have to deal with these things, maybe if I just like go back to that, maybe if, if, my, if I just had a girlfriend like that, maybe if my, my, our marriage just looked like, maybe if we had more things, all of this like coveting, that's literally the lust of the world. And what we don't realize is every bit of that strife blocks us from owning his promises, blocks us from believing his promises. And therefore, we present the world with someone who's not walking with God's nature. Like, I'm not loving. I'm not patient. I'm not kind. I'm losing joy. And why? Is it because I don't have it? No, I've been given everything needed. It's because I'm not walking through his promises. It's, it's this beautiful image of going down, and Peter literally says, um, if you saw in the last one, that the lack of growth in God's knowledge, we, we become nearsighted, we become blind, and very, very specifically, he says that we literally forget the cleansing of past sins. Can you put that, like, that's literally, we become forgetful, he says, of the cleansing of past sins. You want to talk about an ineffective believer. It's someone who's nearsighted who's blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of their past sins. Like, things are happening, God has changed them, but they're still stuck in their ways. You see, I was, um, I do this often, and uh, <laughs> I leave my little office. We have the sliding door in my office. I leave it on, on days that I'm, like, writing a sermon. I go out, like, into the public, especially on Wednesdays. It's really fun. They're doing, like, a food pantry, and I go out there, and I'm like, hey, and I just try to bring them into where I'm in. Like, hey, why don't we know God very well? And the ladies who are working are like, no, like, hey, hey, I have a real question. Why do you think that we struggle to know God? And the ladies volunteering are like, okay, he's serious. We gotta, or we're gonna go there. Uh, and one said, I think it's because of shame. I think it's because at the end of the day, I don't believe that he really loves me because of all the things that I've done. And so, like, I struggle to know him because I'm fearful that the more I know, like, the more I'll be afraid. Or, like, I don't deserve him. Like, I, 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 think, I think it's shame. It's, it's interesting. Um, shame is di- very different than guilt. We feel guilty for things that we've done, but we feel shameful for who we think we are. And that in and of itself will detour everything as the tunnel keeps going. Why? Because uh, if I am, am mistaking myself still for unrighteousness, am I, if I'm still like stuck in my ways, my beliefs that I'm not good enough, then I will miss out on every goodness of the Lord because the, the enemy's like, but you're not it. And I'm like, well, that's not the point. But our flesh says, but it is. You're not enough. Like your past sins are still there. They're still, they're still coming up out of the surface. And instead of allowing that to be a reason to submit it to the Lord, we allow that to be a reason to run from the Lord, right? And so we doubt his promises, and then we wonder why discipline change isn't happening. It's really interesting. He says, you are forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Yet it's interesting. It's in that awkward place of like having to deal with it that true change can happen deliverance. I'll tell you, one of the hardest things about being a pastor is sometimes being a pastor. Because like I want, I want to walk with people as they walk with the Lord. 
like I do. But I can see visibly sometimes. Like I, it's one of my giftings is that I just see things that I probably shouldn't see, but I do. And I always see the visible light switch when they either think this is too hard or this isn't worth it anymore, or I'm just, I just don't like this. It's too uncomfortable. And the moment that that switch is made, they are doubting the Lord's goodness. They're doubting his promises, and they're bailing out on the work of sanctification. And not that it's not happening. They're just being ineffective. And I'm like, you are so gifted. If you would just realize that the shame of your problem, like that's an oxymoron for the unashamed believer to be shameful. Like that's an oxymoron because we are made unashamed by the blood of Jesus. Like he has washed us clean. But when we are in this place of of the oxymoron where I am um, not believing that which is claimed over me, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything for people. That's the hardest thing because I can see the switch go off. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to do, God. Like, do I, like, call that out? Do I, like, prod? Or do I let them discover? Like, hey, that's, that's a daily ask. That's a daily question that I ask of the Lord. Like, do I prod? Or do I let them discover it? I mean, have you noticed that this is one of the things that I wrote down? We live with this daily tension between, like, who God has named us to be and what our present claims us to be. And that's literally this, this discipleship piece right here. Some of you, like your present, has claimed you to be stuck. Your present has claimed you to be a failure. Some of you, your present has claimed you to be isolated. Some of you, your present has claimed you to be addicted. Some of you, your present has claimed you as being uh, worthless. Can we just be honest? Like our present has claimed many things over us, but that just doesn't make sense to people who've been given everything for life and godliness. What our present claims over us is nothing in comparison with the Lord has named of us. And as I like say, God, I want to sit in your goodness. I'm going to walk through your like through your goodness. Like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to trust in your promises. I'm just going to like I'm going to verbatim memorize them because I need other things in my mind other than my lies. I'm going to verbatim memorize them as I sit in that through those promises things start unfolding that I wasn't prepared for. I start realizing, wow, I I am called new, right? But I love it because uh, Peter actually gives us some movement forward. Uh, I don't have this in the notes, Christy, but could you go back to like slide three? It's the passage of Scripture. Often like Scripture says, it's the next one. Uh, Often Scripture has this this time where you're adding on something. You know, this happens often. Paul likes to do it where he just like throws out a lot of words and you're like, okay, cool, goodness, mutual love, oh, oh, endurance. And you're just like, okay, that's, that's neat. But this journey of doing these things is actually how we dive forward. We move forward. This is like he's literally saying, take your faith, the very thing that has given you everything needed for life and godliness, and add in increasing ways a few things to it. Because as you do that, you're going to have to battle some of these things. As you move forward in claiming his promises, as you own the nature of the Lord like in your life. And so it's really beautiful. Because if we don't, all we get stuck in here is shame, right? Wow, that's terrible. It's okay. Shame, that says. 
We experience shame if we stay in that last one. But Paul says, if you notice it, add goodness to your faith. Add goodness. Now, I like to get into like what these words mean, and so we got it up here. Uh, goodness is wonderful acts. We're battling like ineffectiveness right off the bat. Paul, uh, Peter's like, these people are being ineffective, and it's because they don't believe that what they're doing is actually worth it. But I need them to like take their faith, the fact that they've been given everything, and I want them to just start doing goodness, wonderful acts. And some of you, that means opening the Bible again and diving in. Like it does. And some of you, 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 it means like actually serving in places. Like do wonderful acts and add on to the goodness, if you notice. There's something to add on. You add on knowledge. And the word knowledge here it means understanding. In other words, stop doing things just because you think they're good and actually ask the Lord, like, what is the goodness in this? What is the goodness in this? Some of like, your relationship with the Word of God is very poor, and it's because you open it as a marvelous act, but you don't seek understanding. Because understanding will always make you have to wrestle with things. Understanding is always going to have to lead you to saying, like, but why are we doing this? Now, I hate the question why sometimes when my children ask it. Why are we going there? Why? But it's an awesome opportunity, honestly, as a parent to say, well, I'll tell you the understanding of why we're doing this. And it, like that is what helps us keep going. But we're adding on to it, right? Because knowledge in and of itself is not good if it's not going in a direction. And so he says, add on to the knowledge. You ready? Endurance. Add on to the knowledge. Endurance. In other words, it's the fourth day of reading the Bible. It's the fourth day of saying, I'm going to serve my wife even though she doesn't care. It's the fourth day of saying, all right, I'm going to do this for the kids. It's the fourth day of saying, all right, I'm going to go the extra mile at work just because it's the right thing to do. And you're like understanding that you're alone in it. <laughs> Anyone? You're understanding that you're just struggling, that things are hard. This is why he says, add to it endurance. Keep going. Many of you, like, you're missing out on the promises of the Lord because that's something we wait on often. We wait. Keep going. And then he says, add on to the endurance something else. Add from endurance to goodness. Godliness is the word. Godliness. Now, this Greek word is really fun because this is where you can either sit in shame or move forward. This word, literally. Many of you are operating in endurance, and you're just wearing thin because you're just trying to keep going, and you're trying to do the right thing, and you're hoping that doing the right thing is going to change you, and you're just like trying to do it because you're struggling with all these doubts of your worth, and so that's why you're opening the Bible. But can I tell you, it's going to come to this place where you're going to have to add on to endurance, godliness. And that word literally means having and practicing this appropriate belief of God. Now, I, whew, I love this because the very point, some of you need to know this. You need to know this. The very reason, the very fact that I don't know God as much as I should demands, not, not on this empty vessel that should just have more knowledge, but that I am full of some wrong beliefs about God. Now, I'm going I'm to say that again. I don't know if it's a slide. Oh, it is. Good. I'm like, I, I hope they heard that. 
The very fact that I don't know everything about God literally means that I still hold some deceptions, some untruths about him. Some of you think that you're just like this empty vessel, um, but our flesh still believes some core things. And so the very reason that I don't know everything about God means that I know a lot about sin. Anyone The very reason that I don't know about God means I know how to get Greg's way. The very reason that I don't know about God, that fact means that I have a lot of other beliefs in my arsenal that if you punch me, I may very well punch back. Why? Because I'm not this empty, start-from-fresh person. Though my soul has been, my mind has not. Anyone else? Like, I have a whole history of if you need to protect yourself, lie. Right? Like, I have a whole history of, of if you feel seen, then show them yourself. If you feel unseen, fight for the sight, right? Like we have all of these things. And so the very fact that I don't know things about God means that I know a lot of things. I'm deceived by a lot of things. And that is the point at which you will spiral in shame because we don't then exchange things. See this beautiful, I'm just going to try it. Okay, I'm going to try to write the word. Oh, this one might be thicker. Here we go. The beautiful thing is though you experience shame here, you get the opportunity to experience deliverance here. As you sit in God's goodness and are overwhelmed by his promises, you start realizing that promise actually battles a lie in my heart and I have deliverance from it. Like, it's beautiful. He says, I need you to take. And so some of you are like, I don't, I don't think the wrong thing. Like, I don't have wrong beliefs. Here's a whole, like, list. I'm not going to even sit on them. Some of you just take a picture of it so you can read. These are, these are th- ways that we self-deceive ourselves. Like, when you hear God's word but don't do what it says. Many of you, I'm teaching it right now. I'll just leave that. When you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself. All of these are deceptions that, that are literally keeping us from the promises of the Lord when we think that we're something or someone when we're not. When we think that we're wise in this worldly age, like we deceive ourselves. If I think that I can be religious, but not. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.